Welcome, and as promised, this is the special episode of Bike Shop Boyfriend, your host, Dustin, uh, speaking and interviewing and having a conversation with uh, Caleb Young of Far Ride Magazine. He just recently finished a long 7,000 approximate kilometer journey from the west coast of Canada all the way down to the Maritimes in New Brunswick. Uh, pretty much, it was a ride home. And I think Caleb does a fantastic job of conveying the, at times, isolating and bleak mindsets that can sometimes, un- well, come about when uh, when you're faced with such adversity and cold uh, here in an extreme climate and in, at times, harsh reality slash beauty of a nation uh, called Canada. Um the following stories and uh also um stories and images actually and visuals are going to be published uh in far ride magazine's upcoming issue i'm told it is going to be volume nine uh should be out june-ish and if you're interested pick it up there's going to be a lot more visual aspects to it um I highly recommend it. Sogun is the uh, unsung and silent hero in this whole tale. Um, I wish I can get him onto the podcast. Maybe I will actually reach out to him and get him on uh, a future episode to get his take of it and maybe some insights as to how Far Ride came about. And uh, I'm going to just probably end my little mind storm of thoughts and ideas right here and now. I give you, without further ado, Mr. Caleb Young. Welcome back home. Enjoy the conversation, everyone. Hello. Hey, great sound. Here we go. All right, we're back. We're back. Take two. We're ready to go. Oh, I am stoked. Like, the stoke is so real right now. (laughs) Okay. It's (laughs) it's raising my stoke. I am getting stoked. You know what? I'm getting so stoked that I am going to run up and grab a beer. I'm going to have a beer. We're going to do this right. Oh, day drinking is a great thing. Uh, Especially when you're unemployed. You're living at home. Why not, right? I think you're living your best life. (laughs) I think I am. Yeah. No, (laughs) good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Uh, so Take... my listeners will probably want to know what's, uh, what's the beverage of choice uh, for midday drink Ooh. for Mr. Young Callum here. Okay, Mr. Young Callum is going with a Four Rivers oh, beer. Okay. It's uh, an American Amber Ale. Um, my, my dad or my parents are pretty big into craft beer. Okay. And in small little Quispam Sis, they're just like these – four craft breweries that opened up and it's like like five minutes away so it's a constant evil yeah i know right it's just uh it's like okay let's try this one okay next up let's do this one it's just constantly trying new new beers all right so yeah actually it's i got a staff who's like that where uh he's really into trying out these small uh micro brews and such so yeah that's uh it's definitely it's growing, man. That's that's a popular thing, eh? Well, you know, bikes and beer and coffee and bikes all sort of interconnect. Like there's the pre ride coffee and the post ride beer. Yeah, yeah. And they all start with B too, so they have to connect. Well, except for coffee. But 
That's just a oh, I was going. Oh, sorry. I was going beans. That's what I was thinking. Oh, good segue. Good save. Good save. Um, yeah. Sweet. Awesome. But Monday's going well. Yeah, Monday's going well. I'm going to go out for a ride later today. So, Sweet. yeah. Oh, I guess I wouldn't suggest drinking beforehand, but today's just going to be a, a recovery ride. So, it's going to be an easy one. Good stuff. As long as it doesn't turn into a gold sprint because you got that alcoholic uh, courage, I would call it. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think of that. Oh, man. Well, not, not much of a sprinter anyway. So Okay, fair play, fair play. Uh, for the listeners that are just tuning in, uh, I have Callum Young here of Far Ride Magazine, who just completed the Far Ride Trans Can Ride. Um, so how did this whole ride come about? Yeah, so uh, I used to live in Korea, and I was a teacher over there. Um, I was teaching... I was teaching at an English school, and I taught all a variety of subjects to kindergarten students. Um, and Far Ride Magazine is based out of Seoul, Korea. So we ended up, they ended up looking for some guys to come out on one of their trips down in the southern part of Korea. And I knew someone, and they were like, oh, yeah, I have someone that can ride. At the time, I was only riding Fixie. Um, so we did a bunch of hill climbs and crazy stuff and they were kind of like, oh damn, he kept up with us with his fixie. I really didn't. I just got lucky that they kept asking us to stop for pictures. So, but yeah, uh, I met Sogon, who's the chief editor of Far Ride through there. And, um, we kind of kept riding together. We both liked, enjoyed riding, uh, with each other and, I finally decided it's time to move back to Canada. You know, I miss being at home. I miss the Canadian people. And I was uh, looking to do some kind of trip. And most people that finish in Korea, they normally do a Southeast uh, trip. Like, you know, you go from Thailand and backpacking all across and beaches and beer. And, you know, it's a great time. Adventures and hijinks, right? Exactly. And I was kind of, I don't know why, like it, you know, now looking back on it, it sounds like a great time. Oh yeah. So, but I I just, it wasn't, it wasn't calling me. There was nothing exciting for me. There wasn't like this big call to do it. So I started looking at trips for biking and uh, my parents had just gone back from cycling throughout Mallorca. They did like a, a two-week trip. So I was like, oh, Mallorca would be cool. And then I started looking at Croatia. And I was like, oh, man, Croatia would be awesome. So I messaged Sogon. And I was like, hey, you know, what's Croatia like in the month of March? And he goes, oh, are you free in the month of March? I was like, yeah, like I'm finally going home, going back to Canada. I miss my parents. He goes, I know what we're going to do in March. I was like, oh, yeah. He's like, we're going to cycle across Canada. (laughs) So that's where the whole craziness began. Yeah, and that's where it all started. It was just like this. He had kind of already been planning to do a feature about Canada. Okay. And it just, you know, it was just like one of those perfect timings. And it wasn't even that I was like, wait, 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 hold up. It's winter in Canada. Like, we can't be doing cycling in March. Um it was just like, I was just so stoked. I was like, 
yo, that, yeah, we're doing this. And then, like, you know, you, your blood starts to rush and you start to get tingly feelings and you start planning it. And then about two weeks later, I started realizing, I was like, oh, shit, yeah, it's going to be really <laughs> fucking cold. <laughs> but, you know, it's that, it's, that same, it's that same scenario. You've already told enough people that you're doing it. There's no backing out now. So. Yeah, like the obligation and the expectation of the adventure is fueling. Yep. Like, you're committed now. Like, you can't back out. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, you know, you've got that that peer pressure almost, which is at times is really good. And that's why sometimes I'll always tell people, oh, I'm going for a ride because then I have to. I mm-hmm. can't just back out because the weather's shitty. So, yeah, so we just like, you know, we the sponsorship started to roll in and everything started to get closer and closer. We started planning the trip and everything. And, and I was like, wow, we're really going to do this. Yeah. So how did it feel like day one sort of, uh, it started in Vancouver and you're working your way east. Yeah. Um, so like day one, was that the like mentally hardest day or was that the most exciting day? Oh, you know what? So for this article, mm-hmm. it's all about, it's Sogon's writing the article, but it's through my eyes like my rediscovery of canada okay so i kept a journal on um throughout the whole trip like every day that we had we rode and then we met new people i would write about it at the end of the night and so right now after the end of the ride now it's now i have to type all of it up and send it to sogon so that he can start getting ready because this will be published in may okay so that's going to be issue Nine. volume nine yeah okay so that will be a volume nine and it'll be uh it'll come out in near the end of may okay so probably they'll go into printing at the end of may and it'll be ready and on sale in june i believe okay right at the beginning great so yeah really excited but yeah so i was i was writing about it and i forgot how emotional i was on day one and actually if you want i can read a little section of it no please 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 let's do it all right cool if you don't um write. So let's see here. So, okay, so we're just leaving Live to Play Sports, which are the Norco um, dealership. Mm -hmm. And they are like, they are the brothers or sister company of Norco. Yeah, they're the Um, distribution channel for all the accessories and all that. Perfect. And they have, they work with 3T as well. Okay. And just to give everyone a back background, I guess, on this, uh, 3T was the bike sponsor for this trip. Yes. Okay. Yeah, the beautiful Strada. Yes, not bikes. product placement here, people. Just uh, no, not not at all. Not product placement, <laughs> but yeah. No, no, no. But yeah, um, okay. Yeah, there's a reason why you're okay. There. Yeah. So okay. So it starts. So I goes. The ride itself was not only incredible, but also lightning. Finally, after all the nights of planning and worrying about the proper gear for real winter weather, we were on the road. It released a huge amount of stress, and just to be on the road, turning my pedals over and over again, I truly remembered what I loved about cycling. I truly forgot why I've loved Canada and what makes this place that I love to call home. Growing up in New Brunswick in the suburbs, there isn't much for you to do around here. The two choices I faced were either getting into trouble or getting outside and just enjoying the outdoors. Boredom is always something that seeps into you in a place like this. But for me, boredom is incredible. It forces you outside, forces you to look at things and think differently. And boredom creeps into me as I ride 
through Mason Mills. It's here that I'm filled with emotion and realizing that I'm finally on my way home. So, yeah. And I was just like, oh, yeah, I forgot. It was just so emotional. Like, Yeah, no, it sounds I, like there's all these feelings of anticipation and excitement at the beginning. Yeah. And it was just this almost of like, it was like this realization was like, oh, my God, like I've excluded the outdoors outside of my life for so long and it's just all of these like feelings to just like rush through your body and you can feel it like tingle of flow underneath the like the skin and like almost giving you goosebumps you can feel it like rush across you Mm -hmm. and and i just started crying oh really like yeah you know it was quite emotional i know and i was just like because it was the the realization that like i'd been in soul for so long Mm -hmm. And it's so easy to get caught up in the hustle and bustle and constantly being in a big city and like always doing something and almost that lack of boredom or that lack of outdoors. Right. In that kind of like, it's just, it's hard to realize it while you're in it. But now like when I'm thinking back, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm someone that has to be outside for some part of my day. Yeah. So So, do you feel, um, I guess as a temporary visitor to another nation and city uh and even full-on culture community uh yeah that lack of say green space and free time slash boredom because uh, both are kind of in the same like boredom is really you don't know what to do with your time and free yeah. time is you have all the possibility of whatever you want to do uh, right did you find that now that there was no deadlines there's no obligations there is no um, school life to like worry about. There's no student papers to grade and what have you. Yeah. Um, and there's also not the uh, supper time in a city. There's an actual feeling to that when it's breakfast time. You can feel that in a city. Um, the fact that you weren't right. Doing that, did you have that sort of change and sort of that freedom come about? And that was maybe yeah, yeah. And I just want to make it clear. The in soul, it is it is really easy to get outside. Oh yeah, and I just didn't do it right. I don't want the listeners to think, oh, like Seoul is just a huge city. It is Seoul it, geographically is surrounded by mountains, so okay, it's really popular to get out and get hiking. I just was, you know, you just get caught up and you don't do that. Okay, so, that's fair. Um, so no, but yeah, like the, having that feeling and just like it was almost that it was like eerily peaceful okay and just no sounds of cars no sounds of anything it was all i think i don't know it's it's hard to place on what it was but it was like yeah you didn't have the the buzz of the city around you so the strange but familiar because i feel talking to other cyclists um as soon as they leave their cityscape what have you or sometimes there's green spaces within um yeah the fact that the city fades and melts away kind of thing that uh they start connecting with the act of moving pedals Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah absolutely where there's a focus but not a focus like it's almost meditation yeah yeah 100 i think that cycling is a very meditative sport and yeah i think that that I think you're right. I think it does melt away and it also just like 
as you get further out and you get further into the countryside or the forest or wherever you want to go, you get further away from those stresses in your life. And I think that distance gives you a more of a relax as it melts away. The It also melts away your worries or your anxieties. Well, it does for me, mm-hmm. I find. And that's one reason that I try, I try not to cycle with music, but you know, some days, and what I found is on a trip like this, some days you need that music to keep you sane and keep you focused mm-hmm. to keep pushing forward. You need some kind of beat or someone's voice to take, take my mind out of my head. Because if I started to think like when we were in the prairies, if I started to think about how much further we still had to go, <laughs> I would just start to, I, I I couldn't do it. Yeah. So it was, it was that focus that like, okay, I can just listen to this podcast. Okay. I could just um, listen to, to this album, like on repeat and kind of not focus on anything else. Yeah. So, so as someone who, uh, full disclosure to uh, the listeners, uh, the Bike Shop Boyfriend podcast is based in the middle of the prairies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just so uh, I don't take this as a slight or offense, nor does probably any of my listeners. But um, the fact that it's so flat here and also the sky is so above you, like um, I've been told this and I've noticed it when traveling uh, that I take the fact that I can see the horizon around me and there's nothing obstructing my view. And I find that weirdly comforting. Like I can orient myself to the world around me by the fact that I can see the sky meet the horizon 360. Um, whereas I recently went to Quebec. had a, I was able to orient myself <laughs> based on like geographical locations. But the fact that yeah. there was mountains on the horizon sort of like freaked me out a little bit. Um, the fact that the streets themselves like just pitch up to like 22% gradients. And you're climbing a ladder pretty much. Uh, yeah. You went through Quebec City, and so you know about that. Uh, yep. But just finding, like, it's weird that I find that sort of isolation very comforting, uh, whereas other people that might not have experienced it find it, like, it just monotonously goes on. It feels like infinity in a lot of ways. Right. Ah, oh, man. Yeah, it, it was... We, I was really looking forward to going through the prairies because I was looking forward to like, you know, experiencing this 360 degree of blue, right? But we ended up coming through and hitting like a terrible easterly frontal storm that covered the whole prairie. So our like, I think we did like, we did the prairies in six to eight days now we didn't cycle all of it because we got caught in storms and had to get catch rides and due to the scarcity of places like especially past winnipeg into ontario we had to we had to you know get out of there and we had to drive a car and stuff like that but we didn't see the sun once in the prairies weird okay yeah yeah so no yeah so like it was is almost as in it felt at some points like you're on one of those mouse wheels. Oh, okay, yeah. Because you, right? You, it's just all gray. You know, the snow, the gray, the whole hue of everything was just around you. You, you could really the only things you would see are like silos in the dif- distance, and even then, you don't always see those. Yeah, and it always feels like it's the same silo. 
Exactly. And then I always thought, you know, coming from just coming back from Seoul, I was like, oh, sweet. There's a city further up there. But then you just pass it and it's just it's just a large group of silos that are all beside each other. Oh, that's like a horrible prairie mirage, I would call it. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what it was. It's like this mirage of you like hoping to see some people. And then and then you did it. And the the only contact we would have in the prairies is that through Saskatchewan, there's a section of the Trans Canada and the train tracks come actually not super close, but close enough. And this train comes by us. And this guy pulls back his window. The train's not going super fast. He pulls back his window and goes, Hey, I saw you guys yesterday. Oh, no. <laughs> and then, yeah, it was kind of cool. And then the next day, that guy was coming back. So he pulls back the window, sticks out his hand, and kind of gives us a little, like, hang loose like a hang 10 kind of surfer wave and then just keeps going that's awesome and that was in the in the prairies that was our you know that was our human contact until we stopped for some kind of lunch or whatever it was it's surreal it was hard it was definitely the hardest part of the whole trip okay yeah no um yeah i can imagine just like i do indoor trainer stuff during the winter so Mm. i can't even imagine but like yeah you kind of get like weirdly cabin fever but you're outside doing it so yeah like yeah it was just difference to the days it it becomes much more less of a physical endeavor and it becomes much more of a mental endeavor and that was that's that's the whole trip right a trip like this isn't you know you're you're kind of really at the most you're always in zone two like your heart rate isn't ever extremely elevated. You're not really doing any kind of high intensity training or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, your body gets used to it and your body adapts really quickly. You have to eat and fuel yourself a lot, yeah. but it's a huge mental uh, mental endeavor. Like you just have to focus. Well, I had to focus on, okay, we're only going to breakfast. Okay, we got to cycle five kilometers, go to breakfast. Okay, now we got to cycle 50 kilometers, but at kilometer 25, we're going to stop and have a snack on our bikes. At kilometer 50, we're going to have a real meal. Okay, next the next 50 kilometers, same thing. Okay, so next next 40 kilometers, we're going to do that. You know, so you, so you had to break it down. Yeah, so you sort of had to like eat the whale by like breaking down the small bites at a time, kind of thing. Yeah, which absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it was. So for going about like that mental sort of rigmarole and routine, um, was there any training prior to the ride or did you just sort of have to adapt day one? This is what's going on. Yeah, it wasn't until day two we met this couple. Now, oh, sorry. Uh, I'll just answer the first part. Quick. I did a little bit of training um, leading up to it, mm-hmm. but no kind of huge intense rides i wasn't putting down large base miles for this style of ride i was doing more of a high intensity workouts and um different kind of ftp sessions okay just to build some sort of cardiovascular yeah um, so it sounds like you were work. just aerobically getting uh adapted ready for this type of exertion yeah. okay i should have 
I should have done more, but with the ending of the school year and trying to ship all of it, all of my belongings home because I was going on this bike trip, I couldn't bring anything with me. Yeah, I could only bring the stuff that I was going to bring on my bike. It was I didn't get as much as I wanted to. Okay, but and Sogon had just gotten back from Mongolia, and he's he had to release a whole new volume and then plan all of this. And he also has two kids that are a year and a half that are twins. Oh my so goodness, he. I know he didn't have any time to get any training in. So shout out to luckily, Sogon's wife for being so awesome. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent support and all that. So yes, but continue, continue. Yeah, so like he's just he was just like a rock. Like he was just like, okay, we're just gonna do it. So, but it wasn't until day two, and day two might have been our might have been one of the scariest days on the bike. Mm-hmm. Um, just for the listeners, we were going, so from on day one, we went from Vancouver to hope we went into van We went to live to play. We didn't leave there until about 12 or one mm-hmm. in the afternoon. So then we just did a hundred, 120 kilometers into hope. Um, and there wasn't much climbing. It wasn't a hard day. That was just more of an emotional day for me. Mm-hmm. But on day two, we did 60 kilometers of straight climbing right off the bat. Like we did a three kilometer stretch and then we were climbing. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so we did, we did, uh, oh man, our, our average speed was so low, but I love climbing. So for me, I really enjoy it. I love that push. I love that you're constantly rising and you're just pushing yourself a little bit further to improve your view. That's how I kind of see it is. Okay. Let's get a little bit further to see what's up here. Yeah. Okay. Let's get a little bit further, see much, how much of the mountains you can do. But we had done 1200 meters in climbing at, at the 60 kilometer mark Holy already. Yeah. So, and then, so that was really hard on Sogon. So we ended up pulling over, stopping at this, it's called uh, Manning resort. And we ran into an old retired police officer. And he was saying that he in 1987 cycled from Vancouver down to San Diego. And he was talking about how he had to always parcel it up. He could never see it as a huge trip. He couldn't see it as like, oh, I'm going from Vancouver to San Diego. He's like, no, today I'm just going to get breakfast. Right. And then I'm just doing that 20 kilometers or whatever to breakfast. Mm-hmm. And that's where I got the idea because I had about, I don't know how many people at, at the time were following us, but I bet you 20 people were following our live tracker throughout, like yeah. just my family, plus whomever Far Ride was sending it to and everything like that. Yeah. Um, so I had everybody like that following me. So if I was focusing on all of these people following me and like, all the stops we're going to make and all the people we're going to see that are so far away, I couldn't do it. I would start to get upset or I'd start to get down on myself and it would just be like this negative spiral. Whereas if I started to use what Ron suggested was like these small little parcels and just do it, okay, one bite at a time or one pedal stroke at a time, then everything became a lot easier. Okay. It just became that an easier step throughout the whole process yeah because like this undertaking itself was not for any charity or any kind of incentive in that regard like there was no financial incentive whatsoever for you guys to do this it was really the adventure right right? 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was an adventure and it's for, it's like an article in the magazine. Right, which is not necessarily tangible until it's printed. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, so that's, so that, no, yeah, that's a hard thing to, to kind of bring that in and be like, okay, this is what we're doing it for. We have to do it for the magazine. Right, and that's like a weird motivation. Like for Sogon, that's his livelihood to some degree. Um, yep. But also riding the bike to get the story, it's like paying your dues and working towards the end goal. Yeah, yeah, so yeah absolutely. And I think that if I was going to suggest anything, I would, I would highly suggest doing a trip like this with someone that has some kind of experience. Okay. And because for him, he was just kind of telling you like, look, this is going to be, these are the hardest days. Mm-hmm. All right. So like, these are the hardest days. Come on, let's just push through these days on day six. It won't be as bad. Right. Cause he knows what your body goes through and he knows what's happening. And he like he did in volume eight, their big ride was the, they went from Mong, they did Mongolia. They did Ulaanbaatar down to the Gobi desert or something like that. I, I'm, I don't want to say the wrong thing, so I don't know, but they went to the Do- Gobi desert and that was like a, it was like six days or something like that. And they're cycling on, there's no roads out there. Yeah. They're pretty much so, recreating the Silk Road. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, just like all of these things, or he did a trip throughout, throughout, um, Sri Lanka and one night it it was pouring so much that they couldn't cycle during the day. So they had to start in the evening and they cycled all night and they had to push to the next city and they ended up doing like 280 kilometers that night. Holy smokes in the dark. Okay. Yeah. So like that's, so like, so that's kind of gives you like a little bit of a, so he knows like this is kind of this is his jam. Yeah. Not saying that it's easy. He did say that this was the hardest trip he's ever done. Like the length and the weather are really what pull on you. Yeah. You know that cold, man. It just it just takes all your energy, especially a wet cold. You just you start out and it takes you so much longer to warm up and get that body temperature up and get your breathing back and it just zaps everything from you. We had to eat so much. So um just sort of to, I guess, uh, I've come in contact with people that have visited Canada before and they say, like, it is cold. However, has mm-hmm. your definition of what cold is, did it evolve and adapt depending on what you were feeling that day? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think my um, threshold for cold and what I'm willing to cycle in um, blew open. I'll, I'll cycle anywhere now to like minus 20 <laughs> okay minus 25 but it's more like okay i can cycle for minus 25 as long as the roads are fine yes right if it's if if it's icy out then then i'm not going out there no matter what the temperature yeah. is because the worst thing you can do is hurt yourself especially um, in the cold yeah but what i always liked about canada and what i thought was the funniest thing ever well during the time it was annoying but now i think it's funny is that each province has some sort of respect for the other provinces and their wet their winter. So like while we were in BC, everybody was like, Oh, don't worry about BC. You're fine here. This is gonna be the best weather you get. You're like, okay. They're like, Alberta, man, that's where it's gonna be terrible. That'll be the worst. <laughs> just like get like Alberta, they get so cold, they get snow. You just it's Alberta, man. And we're like, okay, well, all right, well, we got to do Alberta next. So then we get to Alberta. We're like, 
oh, don't worry about it. It's dry here. Like, it's a dry cold. This is nothing. Don't worry about it. They're like, Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan, the winds in the prairies there are terrible. You you know, if the winds are against you, you're, you're fucked. You're dead. Mm-hmm. And we were like, oh, shit, okay. So then we get to Saskatchewan. They're like, oh, no, don't worry about it. It's fine here. Don't worry. Like, 47-kilometer headwinds? Oh, that's nothing. Don't worry. That's easy. Manitoba. Manitoba <laughs> gets the coldest in all of Canada. That's the worst. And then we get to Manitoba, and they're like, yeah, but it's only going to get worse east. They're like, Ontario, they get so much snow. It's just like way too much snow. Like, you don't even know. Like, Montreal just snow on snow and we're like oh my god okay so then we get to we get to ottawa we get to montreal we're like oh it's easy here new brunswick you can never tell what's going to happen on the east coast one second it could be sunny outside and then all of a sudden bam snowstorm and so like the whole time you just keep going and everybody's like yeah but you haven't even reached the worst it's almost this like they need to be telling themselves that we don't have the worst winter like someone else does. It's just like respect, you know. So it's a game. Oh, of, I don't know if. I... So it's like a game of uh, winter hot potato in terms of who has it worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Is, the only so Canadian for whatever reason. Oh man, it's just like oh yeah, they're like they're like oh like no one everybody's. I think it's it's more of a humble feeling. Like oh yeah, you know what? It's not that bad here. Don't worry about it. Next spot, that's going to be worse. Like, I don't know how those guys do it, or I don't know how they do this, right? Yeah. <laughs> but do you now, I guess, um, having seen it firsthand, I guess you now have a respect for each province on how they do it, right? Yeah, so yeah, like absolutely. Yeah, oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. No, I, I totally, actually, I agree with everything that, that everybody said. It was like, they're right. Each province has their own problem or Mm -hmm. difficulty of the winter and it's different yeah no very much so yeah so and i think they all deal with it in different ways and maybe part of it is dealing with it being like well you know what at least we don't have the crazy amount of snow that the east coast gets yeah or you know what like if you're in the east coast yeah but at least it doesn't stay minus 30 for like three weeks like manitoba right yeah, so yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is very much true. So, so it's just like picking and choosing and be like, well, you know what? It could be worse. And I think that's such a positive outlook. And I, I loved hearing that mm-hmm. now. But at the time, I was just like, oh, for fuck's sake, someone just tell me where it's going to be the worst. So I, I know that the worst is behind me. Yeah, but having sort of experienced it, but then they keep putting that carrot in front of you of like, you're going to encounter worse. Um, yeah, exactly. kind of made it to the end of your destination going wait where, where was it supposed to be bad yeah and then it yeah. turns out that it was just bad the whole time <laughs> exactly right actually so, that's a weird yeah. way to view yeah. it yeah well it wasn't really like to be honest we got i think and i think this was instrumental to us surviving this trip because mm-hmm. that's really what we were doing um was that it was great weather through the East Coast still range, like which is like the mountain range just before the Rockies mm-hmm. and in the Rockies. Like if we had hit a snowstorm in the Rockies where you're doing a pass, where there's no cell service, where there are rarely any cars, the road we were taking, like that could have been fatal. And also like, so well, in all honesty, at minimum shut down your trip. We, 
Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Like it could have, we could have got stuck for weeks in a spot. Yeah, right. And we only had a month to do this trip. Yeah. So, you know, we did like, yeah, we had some pretty crappy wit weather in the prairies, mm-hmm. but we survived and we pushed through it. And yeah, we got snowed on and slid on in northern Ontario, but we survived. Like. If the weather turned bad in the Rockies, that's where it could have been really bad. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, so, like, a, on, no, no, no. Oh, sorry, go no, ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say, like, descending, like, trying to imagine descending down, like, a 30-kilometer descent when it's already snowed down and your tires aren't cutting through the snow. Right, you're like, hydroplaning or skiing, actually, rather than cycling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah so... So did you find it hard yeah. to be so self-sufficient with um, all these different types of microclimates of winter affecting your ride throughout the entire bit? Uh, like, did you have enough provisions? Um, you guys did this without support vehicles, my understanding and seeing from the social media. Um, yeah. Like, how does one even plan for March slash March weather provisions? <laughs> um. Well, for gear, like what we wore, we were pretty lucky. And like, this isn't another product placement. We did wear all Rafa. I'm not going to lie. They did send us all. I'm a huge fan of that product placement. So Rafa, yay. Like I have their, I, okay. So if we want to geek out a little bit, I have their race cape. Okay. Um, the Rafa pro and there was no weather that we hit and no headwind strong enough to cut through. Really? Okay. So like we we had like it's you know what you could you could cycle in February and try it out like if you do that send me a message let me know what happens there because I will not be out doing that but um we yeah we hit all kinds of weather and with a deep layer base layer with the ones with the turtleneck okay. that comes up to you and with the the Brevet Merino wool, and then an insulated vest. My core was never cold. Oh, okay. Cold. That's good to know. So, yeah. So if you're, if you're looking, you know, if you're looking to do some winter cycling, I don't know, like I've tried a few other sp- stuff, a few other clothes, and I have a few other jackets. I don't know if there's anything that cuts the wind like this and has long enough sleeves that zip up around your gloves and just like all the small little things are done right so yeah because i've always been curious about brands that are more warm than canada is for winter and yet they market their line as a winter riding clothing apparel right and meanwhile like those that live in colder climates look at it and go you're kidding right so there's always like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Above, you, you don't have winter. We don't know what the hell you got there. So yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't, you don't know what you're, you're preparing yourself exactly. for. And so that's where or you don't... that question sort of came from, I would have to say. So, mm-hmm. and then, no, yeah. So yeah, that, I don't know. It's just like, I was, I was skeptical at the beginning before it started and before wearing that jacket. Yeah. Cause I'd heard lots of stuff about it and I was like, eh, I don't know if you can do all of that. Like you don't know the kind of cold it's going through, yeah. but no, I was, I was pleasantly surprised and survived. <laughs> like that's the important yeah, and one. Survived, right? And survived and yeah. survived. 
Exactly. So, so. With that being said, um, I guess my listeners that may have not checked out uh, the blog that either yourself or Sogum was putting out for 3T during this time. Um, yeah. Did you guys carry like food besides like food to carry overnight or was it for what you had for the stop sort of uh, stop points where your feed stopped yeah. pretty much? Yeah, it was just it was just for potentially a day like we always had i always had a little bit extra so i had a few bars and gels and stuff that stayed with us Mm -hmm. at all time so like um that like we would stock up from time to time but we never finished all of it but yeah for the most part we never had any food that we were like okay well we eat this on this day like we were only we only had room for essentially what we were going to eat during that day and almost even less like what we were going to eat in between stop points. So in between breakfast and the first gas station, and then in between the gas station and the next lunch spot. Okay. Right. So we would only really had room because Sogon has to have, he had two cameras. I had a drone in my, in my saddlebag. I had my GoPro in my front bag. So, yeah, there was just – there was not enough room to have a full stocked – like, we couldn't have camped. There wasn't enough room to keep any of that okay. stuff. so it was imperative that you guys got to shelter every night. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So we had – and that was kind of – that was one of the harder parts of planning because at the beginning we had planned and we were very optimistic – and we thought we were going to do the whole trip in 24 days. That's very, yeah. But then getting here, yeah, that's very <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> so getting here and everything like that and then realizing the weather, we kind of went back. And for the day, we would look at the spots that have gas stations. We'd use Google Maps and find the places that we could stop. And like, okay, you know, if we're fine by here, mm-hmm. we'll keep going. Okay, if we're fine by here, we'll keep going. If we get here before three, cool, we can make a push to the next spot, right? Because there are all these sections because you really do have to know, are we okay to keep going? Can we make that push and still be safe and not be not be pushing in and getting stuck in the middle of somewhere at six o'clock at night when the sun's going down? And then all of a sudden, you have no fuel. It's harder for you to stay warm. And you still have to make another 50 kilometer push to the next town or you'll freeze yeah. to death. So it was, it was a real focus. The weather and pit stops was our main focus for the day. And that's all we focused on really. So like that danger in itself was a motivator. So, like if you stop, you can die. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so on day, hear, but you know, Yeah. On day two, um, in the mountain, we're descending. We're descending from Manning Peak, which is like a known climb out on the East Coast. And we're making that descent into, I think it's Princeton, into Princeton. And I'm sitting on Sogon's wheel. And all of a sudden, he starts like shouting, like, wah, wah. And I was like, what? So I like come up beside him, pull up beside him. It's like, Hey, are you all right? This is at six fifty. Like the sun's down. It's completely dark. We've got our lights on. 
goes, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, dude. I'm just trying to keep myself from falling asleep. Oh, my goodness. And I was like, I was like, what? So, like, we're still, like, 25, 30 kilometers out from Princeton. There are no, there's no cell service. There's nothing out here. So, I knew, like, this was exhaustion, and this was, like, the cold seeping in. So, we stopped. We ate, like, the rest of our bars and had a bunch of gels, really got our energy back up, put on our down jackets, and, like, Sogon layered up, and I layered up, and we just went a lot slower, and then we just talked. I just, I was like, so, tell me about how you met your wife. And then it would take him a few minutes to answer. I would have to ask him a few times just because his brain was starting, his body was starting to be like, okay, you don't have enough energy to stay awake. Mm -hmm. We're starting to get cold. Let's start shutting things down. Yeah. I was going into conservation mode. So yeah, absolutely. So we just had to like have that conversation and like, and then all of a sudden after about 10 minutes or 20 minutes, you know, after having all of these conversations, okay, so what happened next? What did you do? what did you do after this? Um, he woke back up. He's like, his brain started to run again. The food kicked in his body started to warm up because we were wearing all those Mm -hmm. layers. And finally he was back to normal and everything like that. But yeah, like, and that was on day two. And and I was just like, Oh shit. Like what have we done? Like we've started this ride. We're, we're like, we were like 250 kilometers into our ride. And this is what was happening. Yikes. So, well, at least, yeah, it was, it was good to know, like what it was for real end of the cliff looks like, right? Like now, you know, okay, that's Mm -hmm. where it gets bad. But then you guys, just so the listeners don't feel like someone died on this trip. um, You guys survived and you made it to New Brunswick. No, yeah, we made it. And like, it was fine. And that, that was for him. It was uphill for them for us. My cliff came. Okay. Where was yours? It came later in the trip. Mine was in the oh, prairies. <laughs> I so, apologize for all the prairies. <laughs> it's okay. It was so it was a combination of things. It was the constant flats and um and then also so for your listeners, Dustin and I met through him saving my life and cutting and having some kind of readjustment on my bike. Do you wanna explain what uh, was going on? So very quickly just and also as minimally without technical jargon and blah 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 um caleb actually had uh, a bit of a twisted cleat and also his saddle height was just way too tall for what he was trying to pedal out um yeah so he was beginning to sprain his mcl uh very bad uh in terms of having done it myself it hurts like there's no quite I think your explanation of how it felt is probably the best I've heard. Yeah. Um, so I was cycling through and it was kind of, it was, at, it was too high. So I was scraping the bottom and it would feel as though someone was taking a scalpel to the top part of your kneecap and just driving it in deeper yeah. and deeper. And then there were like five scalpels all around right. me. And so uh, you were like spraining your ligaments around your kneecap and the muscles in, that are connecting at that junction point. Um, so all we did was just trim down a bit of your saddle height, bring it down, and also realign your cleat yep. so that way you can at least pedal properly. Um, yep. And so I'm not wanting to call anyone out for doing a bike fit for Kalem or Sogon, but uh, you guys could have definitely used one before you left. <laughs> like, oh. yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, but so, 
so yeah, so during the prairies, I was just having like, and it didn't affect me that much in the in the mountains because I pedal differently and I can use a lot more of my backstroke and it's like climbing through the top arc of my pedal while I'm climbing. And I like, I like to keep constant pressure. I'm not into those. I can't really pedal with short bursts like a sprinter would. Yes. Um, so I, so when we got to the, the prairies and we had a headwind the whole way through the prairies, I did have to put a lot more pressure down and that aggravated this injury. And so here I was, we were going at days, like we had a day of 60 kilometers and we can't, we can't have a day of 60 kilometers. Yeah. You know, we need to be doing more. We're on a tight deadline. We couldn't be doing that. So luckily Sogon did like all kinds of pulls. Like if we're putting an emphasis on percentage, I'd say 70% Sogon, 30% me. Oh, so yeah. Yeah, Like, like, but the flip, yeah, I was limping and I was in pain and I didn't think I was going to make it. And this is, this was my cliff. Like I was just like, I'm not, I'm, I'm physically fine. We're well, not physically, but I'm, you know, I'm fine. There's nothing wrong with me. I want to keep going. I'm not tired. It's just this pain. I can't keep going. And like, so that was for me, that was the hardest part. Like, cause I really did think we weren't going to make it. Mm-hmm. I thought that I, I thought that I was going to have to quit. Really? So, and that like kind of failure and all of that was just way too hard for me to handle. Yeah. So, so besides, uh, like we did remedy it enough so that you could continue your ride and all that. And, uh, you made it to the end. So like, yeah. And then it was fine that you guys made it. Yeah. Um, that's a huge spoiler. To yeah. Yeah, story. absolutely. And like, we are talking, this is like, this does seem very, um, like all of it was so bleak and I don't know why, if I would ever do it, but it was beautiful. It was gorgeous. Like even the days that were bad, most of it was really gorgeous. And it's just, it, it all just plays on you when your energy levels are low and you don't have as much fuel and you're cold, like everything just starts to go down the drain. <laughs> but honestly, Canada's gorgeous. Like every, like, just like the weather, every different part is different, yeah. you know? Um, like, like the West Coast is so different from the prairies, but they both have their own qualities and like reasons why I want to go back and do this trip over two months and camp and kind of do it a little bit differently, yeah. but I want to go back and do it. So would you do it? Maybe in the warmer months too. I was just about to say, like, would you change like the time of year? But yes, I guess you would. Yeah. Um, um, well, like, but you know, people did put out good. They're like, you know what? It's good. Cause if you did it during the summer, you'd have all the people that rent the camper vans that don't know how to drive these big vehicles running you off the side of the road, which is actually, that's worse than bears. The further we got along. Yeah. A lot of people were like that, that is actually very dangerous. Yeah. So, so in hindsight, you know, maybe, maybe March was really good for us. It was just unfortunate that it was so cold or that we got stuck with some bad weather, but eh, that's Canada, makes you, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yes. And you yeah, came exactly. out the other end. So, so. that's, yes, we got to definitely remind everyone that the bleak, uh, bleakness of some of the situations weren't like they were survivable. So, yeah, exactly. We came out of the other end and now I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm going out on rides with all these people. And I already have like, what, like, 
three thousand base three thousand base miles thereabouts yeah. already down. Yeah, so you're close to that. Yeah, well, more than that, but yeah, which is so insane. Yeah. Um, so on the trip itself, <laughs> yeah, I still can't get over that. Like that's, I plan on targeting that for the entire year. By the way, um, but yeah so yeah i think i don't i don't i don't know wait anyway sorry go on no, no, no. i was about to say like so what is next now that you've gone kind of coast to coast for canada like what's what's next mm-hmm. for uh Calum here post uh far ride track down yeah i think um so i think the next trip might be my i was just with some friends last night and they were talking about doing the fundy footpath which is about it's it's a hiking, so it'd be it'd be walking, but you hike through, and it's about two and a half day hike. It's fifty kilometers, and you bring all your stuff with you. Yep, I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, and then also in May, I've got a wedding in Toronto, so I might look to cycle up to Toronto. I don't know if if like if I don't have a job or anything, then I might. But if I have a job, then obviously I can't take three weeks off to cycle up to Toronto. So you never know if they're that cool. You you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully yeah. that'd be awesome. But, but if not, then um, yeah, then uh, kind of do a little bit more bike camping with my parents and um, take them out and show them some cool spots and do some trips because I love bike camping. I think it's so much fun. I love going places just with my own two wheels. Yeah, and you know, like you really get there on your own for steam whatever you want to call it yeah no of course under your own power is always empowering in a lot of ways yeah so we met and then another trip that we're talking about is i met um job big and he is someone that cycled across canada on a fixie and then cycled up north to the arctic yeah so he did that scares me 17 thousand kilometers I know uh, it's it's like I can't imagine like I thought I had knee pain like that that's got to be knee pain that's next level so like I it is it really wow. is eh yeah yeah like what you're let alone like not even like yeah that's oh my god he's well he was saying like let alone whatever the budget was for that like that's crazy yeah. he ended up greyhounding his like his extra stuff from town to town depending on where he would be at the end of the next week and stuff wow okay so and like yeah so i i don't know that that's pretty gnarly um but he's talked about doing a trip from montreal down to halifax so i was so him and I got along really well. And so I was telling him, well, I would join him for that. So maybe maybe the next trip is cycling up to Halifax, which is about 550 kilometers away or something like that. So Yeah, I think that's very doable. Yeah, and then like, yeah, I think that's, I think that's a, that's a easier goal to do. And um, I'm definitely enjoying riding my own bicycle. I love the 3T bike, and especially when we took the bags yeah. off of it. Th- those things could move yeah so it is like, a full-on design race bike but you guys were using it for bike excursions i can't call it bike packing because you guys weren't camping really, but no it's not it's not bike camping or no, bike packing yeah. but you know it's yeah bike adventuring or yeah i don't know thrill seeking yeah i guess maybe yes 
Some some we call it stupid. But well, yeah. we call that adventure in in most circles. So that's <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, the bike moves. But I'm really happy to be on. So I have a friend that built me. He builds bicycles. Um, so he built me a bike. So it's a steel made, handmade bike that fits perfectly to me. So no no knee troubles, no no wrists or elbows or anything that hurts too much. It's just like fits like a yeah. glove. So I'm excited to be back on that bike and cycling. And that's uh Yeah. So, so that's like anyway. a solid oh, yeah, that's good. place to have. Um one question that came to mind that I didn't ask you at the time you were mentioning it, uh in terms of getting calories mm-hmm. in and this and that. Like the day-to-day stuff, were there, was there something that you kind of looked forward to uh, sort of treating yourself with as like, job well done, here you go? And then was there something oh, at yeah. the end of this whole journey that you were just like, you know what, I miss something at home that is sort of motivating you? Like, I can't wait to have this. Right. Um, we I didn't drink that much. So like when we got home, I definitely... I definitely had more beer oh, okay. when we finished it. And that's kind of what I was really excited for. Like I would have a beer here and there, but not overly. It's cause I just didn't want to like, I didn't want to mess anything up for the next day. Right. So, so that was something that I was really excited to be home for. And just be like home, not have to worry about riding the next day. I can have a beer, can have a few beers, you know, just enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And then on the road itself, I, I was all about those gummy bears and a cheeky can of Coke. Oh, the that was can of Coke. Yeah, that was the go-to for me. And for Sogon, he was more into chocolate. Oh uh, yeah. And an ice cream cone. Yeah, you were. Well, he was mentioning that actually when he came by the shop, where I just sort of looked at him. And yeah. He was going really? It's minus fifteen. Outside, well, you know, like. So... I know in Thailand though they they say have a hot hot cup of coffee to warm your inner body temperature up so it doesn't feel as though it's as hot outside maybe maybe it's the same kind of like lower your body temperature a little bit so that you don't feel as cold there isn't that much of a difference i don't know i don't know this is me guessing yeah. i'm sure some sci- some scientists are going to come in and be like that's completely wrong you're an Do idiot not worry no scientists listen to this podcast i this is a science-free safe space and no i'm joking but no it's just one of those things where was he trying to like provoke a hypothermic response out of his body just so it's like you don't know cold this is cold (laughs) maybe maybe that's what it was but i think it was just like he was like i love ice cream i just love ice cream but if he does love ice cream that's that's a motivator right there so yeah exactly yeah it was probably just the same thing it was me looking forward to a can of coke like if we were having a big day I would I would sometimes try to find those small mini cans yes. and I'd try to find somewhere to fit them into my bike. Maybe maybe just put it in my back pocket and like halfway through the day just be like, oh yeah, nice can of coke. There is something so. great about like a really, really cold day and a really, really cold can or bottle of coke and you just slam it back and you're like, Oh, that was great. Yeah, yeah, I know. I don't I don't drink pop uh normally or anything like that, but there, yeah. When we were, when I'm cycling, that's something that like calls to me. I'm just like, oh, I can't wait for this. Yeah, no, like, dang, you got to treat yourself, man. Treat yourself. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Um, so one question that I had when we or when I did the podcast with you guys coming in and uh, sort of me nerding out a little bit about your bikes, um, the gearing that you guys had, what was it and was it enough? Ooh, uh, good question. It was 50. So there were one by, so it was 50 in the front and then it was uh, 11 to 42 in the back. Okay, so you had a big pipe. And yeah, we did a big pie plate. You definitely felt like your, like your range of gears, you're missing stuff in the middle. Mm-hmm. So you definitely had to, you really couldn't, this trip was not cycling to cadence or anything like that. You really kind of had to just work with the gears you had and fit through. Right. So, but for the most part, you know what? The climbing was a little bit not amazing, but it wasn't terrible. Like, 50 to 42 it's not an awful gear ratio and you know you can get out of your saddle and grind stuff out too when when you're doing the the hope slide there are a few sections that jump up to about 15 to 20 percent after site after hitting those hard spots you know you just you just pop it up a gear and just grind it out like you're back on the fixie so okay so at the end of the day it wasn't terrible but um, yeah, you definitely felt like there you're missing a few in between. Mm-hmm. But I know that I know the Strata does now have like you can get like what is it like you get a 46 in the front and then you can get a 36 to a nine or something and that carries all of the gears as a compact and a 28 to an 11. Yeah, and there's right? also the rumor 12 speed. Right? Yeah, the now. 12 speed. Yeah. With a nine gear, I believe right? there's a nine tooth gear uh, for your biggest. Or nine tooth gear, gear, yeah. There, yeah. Wow, yeah, that's that's gnarly. That's, that's, that's I can't. That like I'm having my brain have trouble wrap around it. Like, what? You know? Yeah, that will grind out, right? Oh, not at all. No, like th- that's no. Gonna be, no. Well, I could just find like people putting it in that gear by well, quote accident, and then like popping an mcl or an acl type joint you know like because oh. some people can't move such big gears right um that's the reason for yeah gearing and road bikes so yeah i'm just kind of curious like okay are they setting it up for people to fail hopefully not but if you're spending money on a 3t and you're getting this bike with this option um because in canada we can't buy them complete we have to build them up from frames Oh really? Yeah, um, I've looked into this, okay. like while you guys were doing this trip. Um, yeah, so it was just one of those interesting notions that you know you can set up your gearing so that way it is more convenient for you. But um, I do have other customers on their particular one by bikes. They are looking for like uh, a ten tooth uh, cog on the big or on the big ratio, and I think a forty two on the back yeah. with like a XD driver so they can put on that massive cassette block. Right. Um, not to just totally lose all the listeners in terms of tech speak, but they really increased their easy and hard by significant amounts and sort of lost out in the middle yeah. there. So, yeah, exactly. And that's what we felt like when I felt like I couldn't find, cause I like to cycle. I normally cycle at about a 95 to a little bit higher on the higher side. And we're talking cadence, right? And I found, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. We're talking about cadence. Yeah. And I found that I couldn't really do that. Like it was only certain sections. Like when we were on the flats, we were normally going about 
if there wasn't a headwind, we'd be hitting it. We'd normally be doing the flats at about a 30 kilometer, 35 kilometer speed. Yeah. And we kind of, it, it was hard. You can't really find either you're, you're at a hundred cadence or you're at like an 85 cadence. So, okay. So everything was, it was you, you definitely miss out like with our, with our ratio, but this was all kind of, it was all kind of last, it wasn't last minute, but the bikes got in last minute. So there wasn't as much time to set up the bikes to the exact specifications that could work. Right. Um, right. So like my bike came in, mine was a three T LTE or LTD. LTD. Yeah. There was LTD and it was the, yeah, so it was the top of the line form and it came from Italy and like they, it had just gotten in on Friday and we left on Tuesday afternoon. Right. So, so yeah, it was there and gone. Yeah. And then Sogons came in from the US and he had to step down, not the LTD. He had the one below it, which I think is just the standard. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah. The sta- I think you're right. Yeah. And, oh, you're definitely right. Um, and his got in on Monday afternoon. Oh. So he really didn't. He really didn't have any time to mess to like change much of his, and that's one of the reasons why we did get a later start is because we were running around live to play, finding stems that were like a ninety mil stem for a Sogon because his bike is long. Yeah, and you know, we were looking at for me longer cranks because they the LTD the the medium the fifty six or the large I mean the fifty six came with one hundred and seventy millimeter cranks like yeah. What? <laughs> like, I understand, but so, I also don't at the same time for that. So I know. Yeah. I know. So, but yeah, but so, like, I think that there's definitely benefits of not having a front derailleur, especially on a long trip like that. Like, we didn't have to worry about our front derailleur at all, which was nice. Yeah. Um, but it is still new technology, right? Yeah. Like, it's still so. in its infancy for road. So, Mm-hmm. come a long way yeah. still so i'd be actually interested yeah. for not that i'm challenging you guys to do this but for you guys to do it again with the same sort of frame a one by uh dedicated road bike but um maybe with the advances of gear ratios and like uh cassette blocks that you can maybe yeah. feel more comfortable on the bike riding it yeah yeah i think that would be a lot better and then we also uh, one of the hardest parts for me was that um, because of the proti- proprietary um, uh, seat post, right? Like the aero seat post and the rails that were in the three T um, saddle spot, right. I couldn't put my I couldn't put my saddle on it, so I had to get used to a brand new saddle oh. that didn't fit me as well. Okay, yeah, that's- so like. So that so that one hurt. That one hurt for the, a good two weeks. Oof. So, yeah. <laughs> but you know, I think we're all wincing in pain here listening to that statement. Like, just uh huh. Yeah, we feel you. Yeah, yeah, ya. yeah. Exactly. So, um, so, uh, but yes. I don't, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no, no. I was just gonna say, yeah. I, like, if we could like have everything set up and then have my own saddle or a saddle that I was used to and everything like that, I wonder what it would be like. You know, with that, with a proper chain or cassette block and everything like that, yeah. I wonder. I wonder what the differences would be like. Well, it'd still be really hard. There's always issue ten of far rides, so Sogon, if you're listening, heads up. Yeah, exactly. And then, and 
and we'll go with the and Dustin White will come with us. No, 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 don't involve him. He's he not <laughs> no. Uh, well, I I'd have to talk to quite a few people to try and make that happen, but I think I could come out for a portion of it. I'll only commit to a portion without going the whole bit there. So I'm going to take the mentality of uh, committing only to portions of it before committing to the whole thing. So. That's smart. That's that's how, yeah, that's how it should be done. I, I think so. Yeah. And like, just keep saying like, no, 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 I'll be back next week. Yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, sorry, job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> just next job, next week. Totally. Um. Yeah. So we're going to wrap this up, but I'm going to introduce uh, a new segment to all the folks that I interview here. Um, and it's you get to ask the listeners of the Bike Shop Boyfriend podcast any question you might have. Um, and they're going to hopefully reach out and take up the call to action and respond. And you're going to get some data out of this. So what would you like to ask uh, the listeners? All right. Yeah. I, um, so in Seoul, Korea and kind of in the cycling scene that I was cycling in and in, I find like West, the West coast of uh, the U S like San Francisco and stuff, um, steel frame bikes and like hand built bikes are really coming back. It, there's a lot of, I feel like people are kind of slowly stepping away from carbon mm-hmm. and now I think that that's more, I don't know, but this is my, my hypothesis is that they are spending more money or spending their money differently to get a bike that fits them better or maybe a bike that's more comfortable so that they can keep riding, but they get to ride 12 years, 12 months out of the year. Whereas we really only get to ride about maybe if you're ambitious, eight months, if you've got a beater, maybe you can do the 12 months, but not on, you probably won't be doing it on your really nice bike. So what I want to know is what, kind of bikes does everybody what bikes do you guys ride what um what is everybody's go-to do you have like a bunch of different bikes if so what's your number one bike that you like to take out on a ride is steel coming back here in canada or is it is it still not very popular no that's that's a damn good question no yeah so all right i'm excited to find out yeah no no no. i'll uh definitely be forwarding uh the answers and such uh and comments that I get from all the listeners that are tuning into this particular episode. Um, That's great. So yeah, I'm going to have to thank you, uh, Callum, for definitely uh, doing the ride. First of all, secondly, for coming on the podcast and uh, well, I'll have to either make my way out East or you'll have to come back out here uh, to the center of Canada and come up for a proper spin when it's not March. And I can't guarantee no wind. That sounds like a great, idea and i'll I, i'll not make you cut my seat post i promise no 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 um, that's, that's always a fun thing and, to do for people okay cool um <laughs> but yeah and then i think i'll have to if you come out east or if i meet you out, out there i will have to get you on um on the saddle which is a youtube channel that has not been released i have all the episodes edited and done Sweet. it's just that it's just that like waiting to push and then you know Releasing media, releasing creative media is always scary nah, at times. I'm, I'm very impressed that you do this. Just put it out there. Well, anyway, we'll we'll get you on that, and uh, which is me videotaping you and interviewing you while we're riding. So sweet. I look forward to not crashing and uh, losing teeth on that excursion. I can handle my bike just fine, by the way. But um, 
But no, no, no. I'll, I'll definitely uh, bring my A game for that, and I'll definitely be on your show very soon. Okay, sounds great. Right. Thanks so much again, Dustin. Oh, no. Thanks for saving my knees. Uh, least I could do. Least I could do. All right, my man. Enjoy the beer and uh, the rest of your day, man. You too. All right. All right. See ya. Cheers. So I hope, uh, dear listener, that you enjoyed the podcast as much as I did uh, having a conversation with Caleb about it. Um, sorry, not sorry at all for the expletives. Uh, the story actually, I think, is made with the occasional swear here and there. Uh, we didn't get too red band, I would call it. Um, any questions, comments about this episode or any of the other episodes of Bike Shop Boyfriend podcast? Love to hear from you. And if you're listening on iTunes and if you're listening on Spotify and Google Play, Overcast and Pocket Cast, uh, thank you so much for listening to those distribution channels. And of course, thank you so much to Anchor.fm for putting together this great app and actually being able to connect with so many great people and having a chat with them. Uh, if you'd like to join me here on the Bike Shop Boyfriend podcast, there's a new feature here on Anchor called Co-Hosts. Um, reach out. I would love to have you on the show. Uh, the show does talk mostly about cycling and going around uh, that sort of sphere of dialogue. So if you're interested, love to have you on the show. Uh, let's chat. Be great to hear from you. And again, thank you once more to Caleb Young of Far Ride Magazine pleasure to have you on the show i will promise right here and now i will end up on your youtube channel for good or ill uh that's not a threat um and we'll have some suds and buds and bikes as well so uh yeah let's uh let's just call it a day and enjoy this podcast everyone thank you very much for listening talk to you soon